0: Hey listen, we do lots of stuff at the project on uh, incremental change and that kind of stuff and uh, I just thought for uh, December it would be good to focus on uh, the supernatural component of what God wants to do with us and actually have a bit of hope um, and expectation uh, of what God could get up to and so today I thought we'd uh, have a look at encouragement uh, because we'll kind of sense to it if you can do it well. Uh, so I might just pray and then we'll get to work and... Uh, see what sort of trouble we can get into are you okay is everyone all right okay just checking jesus thanks for uh being encouraging thanks for giving us the scriptures for our encouragement thanks for uh inspiring us to encourage others and thanks for the effect that it has when others encourage us and uh I pray today that there'd be some some good outcomes uh, today, some good practical outcomes. Amen. Here we go. Now, I never even knew what the word etymology meant, right? Etymology is kind of the origin of words, okay? So I thought, let's have a look at uh, encourage. The word encourage, let's see what the etymology is. What's the, uh, where is it derived from? really interesting thing about uh, the word encourage is it actually, um, according to, uh, A whole bunch of different sources. It's it's basically a conjunction of in and courage, which basically means to put courage in. Really interesting, right? Now, if you actually have a look at courage, the definition of uh, courage is the ability to do something that frightens one. So when you think about it, this is uh, really quite interesting. According to uh, Merriam-Webster, You won't be able to see that small text there, but uh, the Merriam-Webster Dictionary actually says uh, that to encourage someone is to attempt to persuade them, to urge them, and to spur them on to something. Now, the really interesting thing about all of this is when you actually look at the origin of the word encourage, it actually has a future orientation. Lots of people talk about how someone did something good, so I'm going to go and encourage them. Well, that's probably not encouragement. That's probably praise. And not that, I mean... Yeah, that, that would be weird, wouldn't it? Yeah, I'm going to go and praise them. he's going, oh, that's weird, right? And Diff's probably going to talk a little bit about that next week. But encouragement, you notice this, it's actually got a future orientation. And it's got a future orientation to, uh, to help people to move forward into something. So today, I'm going to do a four-point sermon. Yeah, this is a new one for me. And I, I reckon there are uh, four aspects of encouragement. But before I do that, I just want to read this scripture from uh, Hebrews 10, 24. See this? It says, let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. See, that's encouragement. Now, that, that's all of our job. If you're a Christian and you're in the church, and I assume most of you are, it's your job to actually think about how can I... My dad always used to talk about being a stirrer, all right? The Bible says you need to be a stirrer, Okay? Stir people up to do crazy stuff, all right? To, take, to have courage, fill people with courage so they can actually do some things that are particularly difficult. And that's pretty similar. If you look up there, that, that scripture, Hebrews 10.24, is very similar to the Merriam-Webster dictionary which says that to encourage someone is to spare them on, stir them up, all right? So as I said before, encouragement's future-focused, praise is past-focused. Here's the four aspects of encouragement I want to look at today. The first one's this, encouragement moves people toward perceived impossibilities. Second one, confounding variables in encouragement. I'm going to cover some of those. The third one is, uh, encourages actually image God. And the fourth one is, the uh, word encourage is a verb. A verb is what? A doing word, right? Good. So you're going to have homework. It's pretty straightforward. Here we go. Let's go with the first one. Encouragement stimulates people toward perceived impossibilities. This has kind of big time spun me out. Like The more I've been thinking about this, I've thought, this is so true. If you actually encourage someone really well, what you're actually doing is you're engaging with someone who's faced with something that they think is just about impossible and you're putting courage in them to attack that thing. So someone might say something like, it's too hard, I can't do it. See, that's a perceived impossibility. And encourager is someone who comes along and says, you can do it. God's going to work in you to actually get there. All right? Now, sometimes you may not have that level of confidence that the person's gonna, there's gonna be a perceived outcome, but you can at least (laughs) encourage them, look, God's with you, depend upon God, trust in God. Some people say, There's no way I could do that. And encourager might come along and say, Why not? I mean, if God wanted you to do it, you could do it, couldn't you? That would be that would be some good encouragement. What about this? I'll never get out of this. This is. I mean, you think about the one thing. I think people who are struggling, who who uh, are either diagnosed or undiagnosed with depression. Well, well what do they think? I'm never going to get out. And an encourager comes along and says, "It's not going to be like this forever." Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. I mean, if I assume most of you struggle at some point in time. That's what it feels like when you get in the middle of it. It's like it's never going to end. An encourager comes along and says, it, it will end. And what does it do? Well, it gives you courage to move forward. And the interesting thing about that, I'll say one more thing, is some of the smallest, we're not even talking about massive steps. I'm uh, doing a little bit of counselling, some professional counselling with some people at the moment. And you, you know some of the smallest steps can seem the most impossible. Have you ever noticed that? And you, just, you better just celebrate small steps. You better celebrate someone who despairs, who they might have a five-minute window where they don't despair, where they trust in God. That's for someone who despairs constantly, a five-minute window where they don't despair, that's a really big deal. And you better celebrate that because that's for them, prior to that, it was probably a perceived impossibility. Do you get what I'm saying? Everything keeps going wrong. This is like the spirit of Murphy is upon me. All right? Anything that can go wrong will go wrong at the worst possible time. All right? Everything's going wrong. It's a terrible day. I, I got up this morning and it just nothing was right, all right. I don't even believe in the stars, but they're out of alignment and messing with my day. All right? And someone who comes along as an encourager, comes along and intersects with someone who's saying everything keeps going wrong. I'm so tired. There's another one. Well... Even youths grow tired and weary, don't they? But those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. That's encouragement. What about this one? It probably won't work. There's a pessimist out there. It's just, no, it's not going to work. I mean, I could try, but it's not even worth trying because it won't work. Yeah, people like that. So encouragement stimulates people toward perceived possibilities it gives people support it, it it brings confidence it gives people courage to pursue a particular direction i want to share a personal story for me and i i hope you, you hear my personal stories in the right way i certainly don't in any way ever want to hold up my own personal stories as uh, some kind of example that you've got to follow but just an illustration of of something that's happened in my life and has made a huge impact i've, uh, I've literally just last weekend, of my last assignment in for my Masters, right? And I'm, I'm not even making this up. 12 months ago, I didn't think I could do it. Like, I honestly didn't think I could do it. I didn't even consider doing it, really, because I didn't think I'd be able to pull it off. And I had this really curious, a, cu- a couple of really weird kind of meetings with Diff. Not that they were official meetings, it's like Diff going, 8.30, <coughs> we're going to have a meeting, and I'm going to encourage you. <laughs> Alright? Because encouragement most of the time just happens, doesn't it? You know, if you're inclined that way and you're seeking God and you're saying, what well, would you have me to say? They just kind of happen. Now, the interesting thing about Diff is he wouldn't even say that. We were just in there talking. And he said to me, he goes, you know what? He goes, you could do that, you know. You should go and do that. You could do it. And he probably doesn't even feel like it was encouragement that much, but you know what? It was. Because all of a sudden, there was a part of me that was the impossible bit that just got unlocked. And all of a sudden, I started thinking, maybe I could. Now, as soon as you get into the maybe you can land, you're in the land where God can actually lead you, right? Until you get there, you're not in a place where God can actually lead you. Now, the interesting thing is he went on and he said to me, and I'm not saying this, I'm just, I'm just sharing this with you, right? Because I honestly think I'm not smart. Honestly, I don't, I, I'm not that smart. And some of you go, it's true. We've seen that. <laughs> right? He's not, he's an idiot. No, not really. But honestly, I'm not that smart. I mean, my one of my subjects in, in semester two of my undergrad teaching degree, I literally, I got fifth, I went in there. This I've got to tell you this. This is an embarrassing thing for me. <coughs> I sat down and I, I added up all the marks that I'd got already in that unit and I worked out what I needed to do in the test to pass, right? And I got in there, which is like, let's aim as low as you can and get through. That's pretty much what the logic was. Now, I got in there and it was just... Ah, you know, it was like stepping into the, co- into the cage of a man eating lion. You know, it was a terrible exam. It was like probably the worst case scenario. I get my grades back, I got 50.0%. <laughs> all right? And it was just like, that's right on, yeah, that is the edge, just, just in case you're wondering. That, that was the edge. And my GPA would have been, I don't know, terrible. Four point something, 4.6 or eight or something. Now, the really interesting thing is I, this conversation is happening with Diff. He's saying, you could do it. And I'm just going, no, well, I, I'm not that good at it. I can't do it. I'm not that smart. And he's, he's kind of going, well, I think you could. You know, that was kind of what he was saying. And in the end, what happens is God's kind of starting to conspire a bit. And I'm just thinking, well, maybe this is where God's leading. So the other thing that he said, which is really interesting, he said, you know what? He said, you should go and do a doctorate. And I'm just going, that is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life right? But you know what I'm thinking about now? About whether God might have me do a doctorate in ministry, all right? For the good of the church here and for the good of biblical counseling and all that sort of stuff, right? Now, I'm not, I'm not smart, right? I'm just not smart. But the thing is, it doesn't come down to your natural ability as much as it comes down to what God calls you into because He kind of equips you to get that done. And I think that's a huge thing, a huge lesson for us probably is how do, how do we move people from that I can't do this, the impossibility of it, into them, maybe I could. Because that's the zone at which God actually starts to lead people and take people somewhere. Do you get what I'm saying? And so don't, I'm not holding myself up as some example you ought to follow, because I don't think I'm a very good example for you, but I am a good example of the fact that someone said something to me that unlocked the impossibility and opened up the option that God could actually lead me into it particular area right now here's the thing my grades I've never got better grades than what I'm getting at the moment and it doesn't make sense to me I don't understand why it's happening but it's happening and I'm, I'm happy I'm happy for it and I struggle with grade idolatry but anyway and uh, you know it, this is one of the things I've been saying at the school a little bit lately just in the close close out for the year 12s this year you know is that God God's providence and his sovereignty is over the small things. And I think it's his providence over the small things that is far more significant than the big decisions that we have to make. You know, I look back on that moment in my office, those couple of conversations that we had, and it was almost like there was God was just overseeing a seed that was planted there in a particular direction. And probably neither Diff nor I suspected where it was going to end up but that's kind of the way that God works, you know? And I think sometimes we sweat big time over the big decisions, like what am I going to do in my life? And it's God's providence over the little fragile seemingly insignificant decisions or things that happen that actually has the greatest bearing. And that's where I think we can we can have a huge impact on each other. Amen. Yeah. True, a huge impact in those areas. So that's Point number one, encouragement stimulates people toward perceived impossibilities. Now, confounding variables. Ray will know exactly what I'm talking about here. Confounding variables uh, is a term used in research for when you're, uh, you're trying to get some evidence or uh, some information about a particular area, but unless you narrow the focus down enough so that there aren't other explanations for it, your information's not that useful. Like uh, you could say that, I've got this little piece of evidence, and uh, this is what I think it's saying. But then someone else could come along and go, Well, it might be saying this, 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 and this, because you haven't locked off all these other possibilities that might have actually brought it about. Does that make sense? And so the confounding thing is it kind of messes and it confuses the results. And you want to get, when you're doing research, you want to get rid of confounding variables, right? Because you want to get a pure kind of answer. Now, the really interesting thing about encouragement is I think there's a whole bunch of confounding variables when it comes to encouragement, right? And I'm going to give you a few of these. Here's the first one just outright lying (laughs) or encouraging that's not actually true. This is like, do you like my hair? Do you know what I'm saying? And the answer is supposed to be yes. It's actually a rhetorical question, but it's never phrased like a rhetorical question. It's always like, do you like my hair? And there's only one correct answer the other person can give. So they're in a no-win, right? Because if they tell the truth, right, they're going to be in trouble with you because usually the people, a lot of the time, the people who are asking, do you like my hair or do you like my clothes, are kind of got a bit of a fear of man issue. Do you know what I'm saying? And they kind of, they need to hear some affirmation. It's like, you're in a no-win because if they say, Yes, they lie and they could go to hell, all right? If they they say no, sorry, if, if they say no, they're just going to be in a whole bunch of relational trouble, true? And it's just an awkward thing. And I'll just put it out there for you. Don't ask people what they think unless you want to hear what they think. Does that not make sense? Just, if you're not prepared to hear the truth, don't ask them, all right? But the problem with that is some people are going, if I don't ask them, I'm just going to be thinking all the time about what they think about my hair or my clothes or whatever. So there's the first one, lying or encouragement that's not true. And sometimes you probably know some people, they just go out and they say all sorts of rubbish that's not actually true because they just want to make people feel good about themselves. I don't think God's into that. He's certainly if you read the Bible, more than about 10 verses, you'll probably see that God's not into that at all, right? He tends, he likes to give the truth because the truth at the end of the day is the thing that's going to motivate people and move people. Here's the second one. This is a personal If you do this next one, you need to stop doing it, right? You need to stop doing that one. If you do this next one, this is one I call the bait and switch, all right? You ever had this? It's like someone comes up to you and they start saying things really nice to you and you get that sense that they're just teeing you up and they're getting a one-wood out of their bag, right? And they're gonna hit the cover off the thing in about 30 seconds. It's like, and what they do is they they say all these really nice things about you, but they don't don't really mean that at all. They only just wanna get to the bit where they're just gonna smash it. You get what I'm saying? Bait and switch. If you do bait and switch, stop doing bait and switch, right? I think it's a fair thing. If you've got some truth that you need to speak to someone, speak it. But don't try and sugarcoat it with some nice stuff at the start. I, whenever people come up and do that to me, I'm just going, right, can you just shut up and get to what you really want to say? Because you can tell, can't you, that people are doing that. It's like, I know where they're going. And I'm not listening to anything that you're saying for the first minute until you get to the bit... Um, where the switch happens. What about this next one? I'm sure the ladies would be very familiar with this next one. This one is, uh, if I have to tell you, then it doesn't count. <laughs> Does anyone know what I'm talking about? You have to guess. All right? This is like the husband and wife thing, probably happens there the most. It's like, you need to say something encouraging, and if I have to tell you what it is, it won't count. <laughs> so It's like a riddle. It's like you're, all of a sudden the dudes have ended up in some kind of weird Batman flick and the riddle is there and, you know, and it's like... And then, like, if I actually tell you what it is that I'm looking for, you know, and then the whole thing just gets messed. And then the weird thing is that a dude could actually say something that's really encouraging and it's just like, oh, see, it doesn't count now. Because <laughs> I had to tell you. Do you know what I'm saying? This is true, right? What about this song? That was good, but... You should have done this bit better. Now, this is not really a bait and switch. This is kind of perfectionist kind of bait and switch a bit, right? Because they probably do mean that you did a good job in a particular thing. But it's like, well, I'm sorry. I mean, you did. That was good. But it's not perfect. I'm sorry. It's like, look, what is? What is perfect? You know, what? Well, So I'll just encourage you, if you're one of these people, you just go, well, it was really good what you did there. But then you have to tell them what wasn't perfect. Uh, It's probably just going to mess with the encouragement a little bit. Oh, this is another good one. I scratch your back, you scratch mine. You ever known people like this? They go up and they give an encouragement because they want one from someone else. This is, I mean, this is just absolutely Facebook (laughs) thrives on this and lives on it, right? Like for like. Yeah. like for a rate you guys have heard me say this sort of stuff before, maybe not everyone here it just, if you're not into that it's a good thing, stay out of it alright uh, it's not the most evil thing in the world but it's just a messy narcissistic kind of thing and it's interesting, I, I mean it happens on Facebook but it only happens on Facebook because it happens on, in real life right? When people go up and they say things nice to each other hoping to get something back just messes with it what about this one Some of you might go, focus on good things, and someone's like, I can't find any. (laughs) All right? They're just an idiot. I can't think of anything good that I would actually say about this particular person. This particular person, they're an idiot. All right? But you know what? Telling someone that they're an idiot, or they're a loser, or they're just short of the mark all the time, is not going to actually help people grow that much. There's times where you need to speak the truth to each other, absolutely, absolutely. And hopefully you hear that at the project. But if you're just going to smash someone with their inadequacies and where they come short, um, it's never going to get them anywhere. All right. Confession session. Who here has ever been an idiot? Excellent. All of us, right? So you know what it's like. Okay? And you know what doesn't help people generally is when you've been an idiot and you've just realised it, to have someone come up and tell you, what an idiot. True? You just go, well, I might as well stay an idiot. Alright, at least I know my station in life. And it kind of cuts across this scripture out of uh, Philippians 4 verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honourable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. We ought to do that to each other, right? Let's just find the good things. Let's find what God's up to and let's Fan that into flame and not big time criticise each other. The last one, uh, confounding variable in encouragement, is uh, when people encourage idiots. Alright? like, And I'm, it's like a different category to what I was just talking about when they encourage stupidity, which is what happens a lot. Um, check this out. This is a good example of it. It seemed like a really good idea, didn't it? And maybe I need to qualify what I said before. When, not when people encourage idiots, but when people encourage idiocy. That happens a lot. I mean, you've got the whole kind of jackass movie kind of franchise. Uh, this is a trustworthy saying, is it not, that the world does not need any more idiots you know, in terms of just foolhardiness and idiocy that's out there, okay? But what we actually find is you, you see people, and, and, and it's so prevalent on YouTube that people just do dumb stuff to to get some kind of sense of identity and a, some kind of sense of praise, and then the only value they have is in being an idiot. And I just think we just, we probably need a whole lot less of that. It's a particularly bad problem for, uh, for males. It's like, uh, and you can see it, like, I was watching TV, uh, I was, watching, uh, TV. When was I watching it yesterday, I was watching the cricket and an ad came on for Ergon Energy and the, uh, the smart wise lady is sitting in the foreground of the shot and she's talking about energy sense and saving money and saving power and all that sort of stuff. What's the dude in the background doing? He's, he's on a computer game and he's got his head trying to look around the side of her obviously to see the TV with a dumb look on his face. And that's, that's a big problem, I think, for um, masculinity in general for us at the moment is that value, perceived value is gained by being a fool a lot of the time. And uh, it's, that's where encouragement can go wrong. I think sometimes you can see all the people around there going, hey, get into it, it's going to be good, you know, and then he face plants into the side of the trampoline and everyone's going, "Ah, eh, not so good, you know. Didn't go so well. Because I think it's probably only a small step Uh, from encouraging idiocy to uh, encouraging evil, probably. It says this in Romans 1, 29 32, They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them but give approval to those who practice them. You can see there's a sense, it's almost like At the end there, Paul's going, they're all around the trampoline and they're saying, this is a really cool thing to do. You just go ahead and do it because we think it's great. All right, here we go. Point three, encourages image God. In uh, the latter part of Romans, there's a bit of a discussion about people who think it's only right to eat certain foods and other people feel like you should be allowed to eat all all foods and... Uh, Paul in uh, chapter 15 actually makes an appeal to to the church about how they should handle this situation of of division in terms of what sort of food should be eaten. This is what he says. We who are strong... Have an obligation to bear with failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. Do you notice that? Through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. See, the point of God writing things down is so that you'd be encouraged to attempt things that seem to be impossible. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accordance with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Do you notice here it says the God of endurance and encouragement? All endurance and encouragement ultimately comes from him. That's what that means. God's interested in encouragement. He's interested in his people attempting things that seem to be impossible. You see, and the point of the scriptures is encouragement. And you see this. I mean, this is not an exhaustive message today, but you can. You only have to start thinking about some of the promises in the scriptures and you just realize it's all about encouragement, isn't it? It's all about moving someone to a place where they actually attempt something that they perceive to be impossible check this out from Romans 16 verse 33 in this in this world you'll have tribulation or trouble but take heart I've overcome the world mm-hmm. it's like you're going to have trouble I mean Jesus knows that for the first 300 years of Christianity which is different to Islam the first 300 years of Christianity the Christians have been put to death for being Christians the first 300 years of Islam the Muslims were killing people it was convert or die Now, Jesus Jesus knows that his people are going to get worked over for about three centuries. He says, in this world, you're going to have trouble. What's the encouragement? Take heart. I've overcome the world. And so you're going to get in situations that seem impossible and you need to remember that I've overcome the world and to be able to walk into those and know that you're going to be okay, even if it does mean your physical demise. All right. So God is encouraging. When we encourage, we're like him. Is everyone cool with that? That's really what this point is. When you encourage, you image God. You're like him. You reflect him. All right, last one. The word encourage is a verb. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 9 to 11 says this, For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. What does Paul say then? Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you were doing. This is like an all-play, you know? Play the games where it's an all-play. This is an all-play. Encouragement's an all-play. So encourage. Paul's saying, do it. And the cool thing about it is Paul's saying, you're already doing it, do it more. And I think that would be a really good encouragement for the project, right? I'm sure that you're already doing it. So do it more. I mean, no one came to church today just going, oh, I've had the worst week. It has just been so filled with encouragement, I'm frustrated. <laughs> do you get what I'm saying? You, you didn't, right? Who here knows, like, be honest, who here knows you could do with a little encouragement just at the moment? Yeah, okay, that's good, right? That's true, you could. And the thing is, it's not actually, even when I start doing three days a week next year, it's not ultimately going to be my job to encourage everyone in this church. Now, Obviously, I can when I preach, but you know, it's your job. If you look up here, what does it say? It says, encourage who? One another. He's not saying it's Sondergeld's job. It's not in the Greek. It says it's Sondergeld's job to encourage everyone individually. It's your job to do it to each other. And you know what's really cool about that is if we've got, you know, there's probably 60 or 70 of us here. You get 60 or 70 people committed to encouraging each other. This is going to be a pretty happy place even in the midst of trouble, right? True? It will be. And and I'm not saying that because they're not doing it. I'm just saying, let's do it more. I don't think you can over-encourage. Now, you can probably over-praise, right? And praise can get really messy. But if we're talking about encourage is putting courage into someone to do something that seems impossible, you probably can't over-encourage. Wouldn't that be cool? I mean, you think about it. If we've got 60 to 70 people in the project absolutely committed to helping each other to do things that seem impossible. Now you've heard me say the project here, I'd, I'd dearly want the project to be punching above its weight, right? Well, we'd be punching above our weight, wouldn't we? Wouldn't that be cool? I mean, that would even be just encouraging in itself. You just hear stories about people and there's some really sweet stories kicking around here and hopefully uh, in the not too distant future we'll have some, some testimonies coming out where people just share about what God's up to because that's encouraging, isn't it? You'd just love to hear a story about someone who had a perceived impossibility and they got through it with God's help. And so we'll, we'll put some more of those stories out there for you, but wouldn't it be good? Wouldn't it be good if we were just absolutely seething in the project with encouragement? What about this? Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.14... And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. Now, what's really interesting about this? That's not in the Bible, right? I'm just telling you that, just in case you think Sunday Girl's really gone rank. He's starting to add things to the Bible. You just get in a lot of trouble for doing that. So, uh, I won't be. There's no. I have no plans to do that. All right. But here's the thing, you know. How do you know who's faint-hearted? And I'm just going to tell you, I'll just put it out there for you, you won't know who's faint hearted by just coming to church on Sunday morning. (coughs) You just won't. You see, if you're, and and this is where I'm going with this whole encouragement thing, if encouragement is going to be a verb for you, you're going to need to know people pretty well. (coughs) And I'm just telling you, you don't get to know people well by coming to church on Sunday. Sunday, according to the project, is the only day where the project does a program. The rest of the time, we want everything just to go out through relationships and through, hopefully, through community. And that's why we've got community groups. You see, you need to know what people's strengths are. You need to know what their weaknesses are. You probably need to get a sense of what people's callings are. You you need to know what their fears are, don't you, to help them, to encourage them. And the thing is, how are you going to do it? Now, there's some people... the project, they kind of say to me, well, we need to make Sunday morning more of a community kind of thing. And I just think, well, we just want community to be, I mean, if you do that, and you're doing community for like an hour a week or an hour and a half a week. You with me? And that's just well short of the mark too. Like, I don't know, I, I don't think there's any way that you could actually build enough community into a Sunday morning service to actually get this kind of stuff done really, really well you actually need more contact with each other than just a one or two hour session on a Sunday morning. Do you get what I'm saying? So here's the thing, I mean you don't have to be, but if you don't, you're just going to have to work pretty hard at it. But it will be a really good thing for you to be in a community group if you're not in one. And I know it's the end of the year, but sit down over the holidays and budget your time next year and budget time in every week to be in some kind of group or community group we would say really clearly just be in one of our community groups and build deeper relationships and being a place where you can encourage people. Is that, is that okay? Like you just need to be, uh, this is like God saying to you, you need to encourage and I'm saying well you can be, you can kind of give useless encouragement or maybe not useless that's being a bit harsh but you can give very limited encouragement to someone that you know in a very limited way or you can get to know them and you can really get some deep encouragement for people helps them to head in a really strong, useful direction. <coughs> when, uh, when I preach the, um, the anxiety series, I'm always a little bit nervous about that stuff because uh, there's not that many people in Australia saying what I'm saying about that kind of stuff, all right? And I, it, I'm not saying it's original because I've, I've got a lot of stuff from the States and from s- some very smart guys over there. But the thing is that there's not many people saying it. And um, I kind of half watch my back, you know, because I just kind of think, oh, man, some people, there's going to be some people who are just going to want to own me over some of this sort of stuff, and they're going to say that I'm causing harm to people by proposing the, uh, the help that I kind of throw out there. Anyway, the second session, or the second uh, Sunday of the anxiety series, there's a mate of mine who I, I've only known him for a little bit, and he actually wasn't going to be at church. And we've spent a bit of time together, and uh, he's got a counselling qualification too and he um, really enjoys the kind of the note that, uh, that I strike on it. And you know, he came to church that day and he just said this to me, he goes, Pete, I decided not to do my course that I was going to do. He said, I've got your back, mate. And that was it. He just came in and sat down. Now, for me, that was hugely meaningful to me. Hugely meaningful to me because some people vigorously disagree with me about the direction that I kind of teach on particular issues. And to have a guy that's just sitting here and he wasn't meant to be here and he said, I've got your back, was just incredibly comforting and encouraging for me. You know, 1 Peter 5 says this, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. It's, it's true, right? The devil kicks around and he just thinks it's a cool thing to take Christians down. And Christians, isn't it true that we need to be able to say to each other, I've got your back? You know, what's someone who's got your back? Well, someone's standing there and they're protecting a part of you that you can't see very well. That's kind of the big idea. And I just think, see that? Honestly, that's what community's about. That's what relationship's about. That's what encouragement's about, isn't it? Is it's like, I've got your back. I've been praying for you for the last two weeks, every day. I've got your back. You drop in and you see him. You, you go to community group. Maybe you just give someone a, a hug. I've got your back. I'm with you. It's one thing in, in, uh, in our day that's probably a little bit weak. Maybe it's loyalty, isn't it? You've got to put contracts on everything to get loyalty, and even that doesn't get it because you find a clause—a get-out clause. You know, but isn't it for us? Isn't that so incredibly important? I have got your back. I'm loyal to you, and even if you get it wrong, I'm still going to be with you, and I'll encourage you, and I'm going to help you. So let me encourage him. There's been lots of people join the church this year. But probably there hasn't been as many people join the church, sorry, join community groups as they have that have joined the church. You know. And the thing is the church is not meant to be like some kind of movie production you know, or movie screening where we just get, kind of go for an hour and a half each week. It's actually something you're meant to get right in the thick of and get deep relationally with people so that deep things can happen, so people can help each other. So I'd just encourage you and I'd hopefully spur you on and stir you up to think about being in community a little bit more. If God keeps growing this place the way that he has, you're going to get disconnected pretty quickly. Right? Our growth rate at the moment is around about 30%. Okay? Now, if that continues, we're in the high hundreds by the end of 2014. And you're going to start to feel a bit dis- disconnected from people unless you actually plug in. All right, I'm going to give you some really specific... Suggestions as to how to encourage well. Because effective encouragement is skillful. It requires some skill. There's a a great proverb in uh, Proverbs 20 verse 5 that says, The purpose in a man's heart is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. You see that? It's just like the purpose in someone's heart is deep, but a smart, skillful man will be able to find it. And you need to be skillful in your encouragement. So let me give you some suggestions as to how you can be more skillful in your encouragement. First one's this. Don't encourage human potential. I um, have a regular question I ask students where I just say, who here has ever had written, especially boys, who's ever had written on their report, such and such did really well but didn't live up to their potential? And most of them have. Right? I mean, I had it on mine. And the really interesting thing with, uh, with males is as soon as you say that a male's got potential, he thinks that it's optional, whether he actually lives up to it or not. And it's okay if he doesn't. You notice that? It's like, oh, you're not living to your potential. You going, oh, that's okay. That's because that's what I'm happy with right now. the The alternative, I, I think a biblical understanding of it is saying that someone's got a particular calling from God. They've got a particular calling and a gift set and God's calling upon them is to fulfill a certain thing. He's got certain jobs for them to do. And if they don't utilize their calling or their, uh, their giftings, they're actually being disobedient. You see the difference? One's optional. The other one's seeing it as disobedience. The second one there is don't encourage human potential. Encourage potential in God. Because the Bible does talk about potential. But I would challenge you to find me a scripture where it talks about human potential. Because they're pretty hard to find. There's this classic verse in Isaiah where the prophet Isaiah says you're a worm Jacob and then God says I'm going to make you into a mighty threshing sledge and you're going to cut down mountains. Now God tends to downplay human potential and upplay his potential with someone, true? And so I think that's what we need to do with each other is who knows what God might do with you. And do you know what? You need to be careful of that because some of you just go, oh, cool, I'm going to be famous. You just go, well, hang on, that's kind of a, you're on the wrong scale, right? Because the things, I mean, John the Baptist was a guy in some kind of weird camel's hair, Jedi robe, eating wild locusts and honey, and he was the greatest man that ever lived, right? So you've got to make sure that you're on the right scale. But God's going, I'm going to do some sensational things with you. And do you know, he wants to. And you know what? I think he is, but he wants to do more. And he wants our encouragement for each other to push each other into areas that are beyond our natural potential so that he gets to do what seems to be impossible. And it's a good thing, I mean, it's a good thing for me to think about with this church because where does God want the project to go? Well, he probably wants it to go to a place that I can't think of right now. Because if I can, and that doesn't mean that you don't plan, but if, if I can think of it now, it's a small vision, right? And I think God's up to things. He's always up to things that are bigger than what we think of. This very wise man said to me just recently in an email, he said, um, God may have you in a place that you're in and you may know why, but you may not. He may have you for a very specific reason. That's what he said. And I just thought, that is just an incredibly perceptive statement. Because sometimes you can be in a place and you can go, well, this is a waste of time. I don't know what I'm doing here. But often isn't it true that God has you in a place and he's just kind of going, well, I've got a plan for the future. You just can't see it right now, but I've got a plan. That would be a good encouragement for people sometimes, wouldn't it? Just to say, you know what? You may know what God's up to by him having you in this place, but you may not. And you just need to hang in there. Just keep going. Point three there. You're probably going to have to think and pray about encouragement. I think deep, motivational moving of people into areas that they need courage for, they need to be filled with courage for. To do that well, I think you're just going to have to think about it and pray about it. Point number four then, make it specific. It's like, oh, you're such a lovely person. You just go, well, I mean, that's nice. And I'll, don't start telling people they're dumb, right? But it does, do you see what I mean? It just doesn't... That's not going to move someone into a future place. Do you, do you get what I mean? It's, it's not going to probably help them to be courageous in an area that seems impossible to them. You need to be more specific. You need to get into the details a little bit more. And I'm not saying not to do the other stuff. I'm saying just add more to it, all right? Just get more skill in encouraging. People who are curious listeners are really good encouragers, so just be a curious listener I think people are weird right but everyone myself included and I and weird in an interesting way I like to just watch them and listen to them and I like to well no maybe I don't like to watch myself much but you get what I mean I just think people are curiously weird and kind of interesting and don't think I I don't think you're a two-headed alien or anything but just be curious about people like when you hear something that's weird just go they say that? Why why do they think that? Not in a challenging way, just in a curious way. And just ask them, just say, hey, I noticed that you said this a while ago. Why'd you say that? Do you get, is that because you maybe you get a little bit nervous about that when that happens? Now if you get onto some of that, you're in a really sweet spot for encouraging, right? Because all of a sudden you've You've been curious, you've listened really well, you know what the fears, the anxieties are, you know what people's perceived limitations are because God's not that interested in perceived limitations, right? Every time in the Bible someone talks about perceived limitations, he just goes, I couldn't care less, right, about what your perceived limitations are. He says to Moses, you know, he says, I can't talk very well. God says, I made the tongue, (laughs) you know, so i just recreate it. I'm just going to, it doesn't matter. This is what I want you to be in. And, and when you actually talk with people and you listen really well and you're curious with them, you'll, you'll hear those things. And the last thing is uh, some people need to think before, less before they encourage and other people need to think more. All right. Some people are very, very good encouragers, very general. and Maybe they need to slow down a little bit and just get some good detail and, and be thinking more about how would God have me encourage this person that helps them to go forward. Others... Think so much about what the encouraging, the right encouraging thing is to say. They never say it, or rarely. alright, So some people, if you, if you rarely say it, say it more. It's like I don't want to say the wrong thing. I'm just going. Are you serious? Like you're trying to encourage someone, (laughs) right? I won't say any encouragement in case I say the wrong thing. Just go no. Just get it out there. All right. Here's where I'm going to finish. Acts 13, 13 to 15. Now Paul and his companions set sail from Paphos and came to Perga in Pamphylia. Isn't that exciting? Sounds like some kind of pastor kind of, I don't know. Palmist no, I don't know. And John left them and returned to Jerusalem, but they went on from Perga and came to Antioch in Pisidia. And on the Sabbath day, they went into the synagogue. So this is Paul and his companions and sat down. After the reading from the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent a message to them saying, I love this, Brothers, if you have any word of encouragement for the people, say it. It's good, isn't it? Now, you know what's interesting about this is um, I I believe that there's a whole bunch of people here who get promptings from the Holy Spirit because I think God does this. He gives people promptings from the Holy Spirit to speak a word to someone. Now, some of you probably say it, but some of you don't, probably. And you need to set that thing free, right? Isn't that true? Amen? You need to set it free. And it's like, it's weird because people just go, oh, I don't want to, it may not be from God, you know? And it's like, when you think about that, it's like, I think God's telling me to encourage someone. and I'm going to go up and then I do it. And then God goes, oh, what are you doing? Do You know what I mean? he's getting all fired up it's like seriously do you think God's going to get angry if it wasn't from him and you went and encouraged someone seriously no he's not and I'm a huge believer in the fact that God by his Holy Spirit speaks to people and gives them something just right on the money for where someone's at and I think this happens a lot probably if you're a Christian I think this probably happens a lot to you and you need to listen to it a bit more it's probably a little bit, you need to be a little bit more circumspect and careful when it comes to something that might be challenging or critical because of the damage that you could cause. But seriously, with encouragement, why can't we just set the dogs loose? All right? Just let it go and see what God wants to do with it. What's the worst that could happen? It doesn't do anything. Now, is going to talk next week about, about uh, how to receive encouragement, which is important too. But I'm only talking about offering it. Just just offer it and just, just set it loose. And this is a really interesting thing. Maybe today some of you have thought, yeah, I can think of a couple of people that God put on my heart to encourage. Well, you need to hurry up and do it. Now, I'm not saying to just get ahead of God or just be presumptuous about it, but if he's asked you to do it and, there's, and you, just saw it, you just had a gut feeling, I don't know how it... The weird thing about the way the Holy Spirit moves is that it takes a little while in your life just to work out how he tends to communicate to you all right and that's that's a whole nother message so we're not going to get into that now right but he does right and it's just i need to say something to someone and maybe it's someone here god is a god of encouragement the bible's all about encouragement the scriptures were given for our encouragement the scriptures say so said at least whether you're 100% certain that it's God or not, what harm could be done? And I'm just going to finish at that.